Hey everyone, Tom Salami here. Thanks for joining us on MedTech Talk. We're going to uh, get into some deep MedTech innovation talk today. I'm very, very pleased to have Paul Yock on the show. Uh, Paul Yock is an interventional cardiologist who 15 years ago, or now 16 years ago, founded uh, Stanford's biodesign program. Uh, we talked a bit about that uh, in our Oculeve discussion, but Stanford's biodesign is known for so much more. So uh, it was a great opportunity for me to talk with Paul about innovation, about how he views uh, the new financial pressures on innovation, about what the Googles of the world mean for medtech, whether he sees their involvement as a good thing or a bad, and uh, just, just covered many, many different areas within medtech innovation. He's a, he's a very thoughtful guy and very happy to uh, have the chance to, uh, to throw some questions at him. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Before we get into that, the MedTech Conference is coming up on June 1st in Minneapolis. Go to medtechconference.com to register. Take a look at the agenda. It looks fantastic. So we hope to see you there. Now let's get into this conversation with Paul Yock. Paul Yock, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's excellent to, to have you here. Uh, happy uh, anniversary. I understand uh, the biodesign program is celebrating or has celebrated its 15th year. Was that last year? Yeah, we're, uh, we're officially teenagers now. That's, <laughs> that was last year. And you'll be driving before we know it. Good God. <laughs> Where has the time gone? Can you uh, take us back? I always like to open up this conversation with, usually I'll ask someone what got them into med tech, and uh, we'll get into that with you. But what what brought you into into medicine first? Was it something you just always knew you'd, you'd be doing? You know, I uh, decided in college, uh, just because I, I liked sciences and the, and the life sciences in particular. Uh, so that that uh, that was a pretty easy decision. I didn't struggle too much with that one. And and what was it about these uh, this field that uh, that drew you? Was it was it the science or was it the uh, the mission element to it? A combination of both. I think a combination of both. Uh, truth be told, I, I you know wasn't going to be a rock star physicist. Uh, I, I knew that <laughs> at an early age. Uh, so medicine seemed like a great way to do uh, good science for a good purpose. Excellent. And how did you find your way into uh, to be a cardiologist? You know, uh, in medical school, uh, the cardiovascular system just made the most sense to me, uh, uh, probably because it's plumbing, right? And, and <laughs> kind of figure it out. Uh, so uh, it just was uh, just felt natural. That's that's fantastic. Uh, so you uh, you you've kind of obviously moved your moved away uh, from uh, the practice of medicine. At least, are, are, have you did you practice? Uh, when did you have you start practicing uh, or or what what role does medicine sort of still play in your in your day? Well, uh, practically speaking, yes. Uh, I, I about um, five six years ago, uh, I. Uh, completely stopped practicing. Be before then, uh, I was uh, active as an interventional cardiologist. So, you know, angioplasty standing and so on. So while you were doing all the work with the biodesign program, you still had a, a, a practice going? Yeah, it was a tapering practice. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and how, uh, well, I guess, how did that help you with, uh, with the biodesign program? I have to think, I mean, the MedTech is driven by, largely by physicians on the front line, learning how things can be done better. I imagine that was a factor. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, as a practicing physician, you have an incredible luxury of, of being in the trenches of medical needs. 
seeing them firsthand, uh, seeing evolving technologies and how they work or don't work. Um, and so it is really integral uh, to the biodesign process or the technology innovation process. Um, so uh, I benefited enormously from uh, being around at the start of interventional cardiology, the start of angioplasty, uh, that was a really fertile time where there were absolutely needs all over the place. Sure. Was, so was, was it a timing thing? Do you, did you, I don't want to say you got caught up in what was going on, but you're right for, for where you, you were right where you needed to be at the, at the time you needed to be there. And, and was it, was it a timing thing that, that drew you into, MedTech innovation, or did you find this is just a a, a natural um, love of yours? Um, I uh, always uh, tried to invent things from from uh, you know a young age, and and I wasn't any good at it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a timing thing, you know. The the angioplasty came along. A um, uh, couple of things about it: the time was right, but I also wound up in a uh, tipping point situation where uh, at Stanford uh, in the you know 80s, uh, it w- it, there, there was just a gathering of remarkably talented uh, people uh, who were inventive, who were helping to create the new technologies, uh, people like Tom Fogarty, John Sensen. Um, and uh, so uh, it uh, looked possible. Uh, th- those uh, mentors made it seem doable to invent technologies. Uh, and so uh, I was just enormously lucky to come along uh, to that place at that time. Sure. Could, we talked in a separate conversation about uh, Oculive coming out of your program and about the, the, the program as it is today that sort of led to the creation of a very cool device that, that's going to help people with dry eye. Can you compare that time, that time in the 90s with Tom Fogarty and, and others who sort of led the way, forged the way for MedTech innovation. Was it easier to innovate then than it is today? Because back then you had all this 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 white space you could move into and, and the regulation uh, regulatory concerns were a little less than they are today. But on the other hand, there's so, many, so much knowledge about innovation, so many more tools, so many more ways of, of finding new ways of doing things today. Is there is there a way to compare then to, to now, and, and how do they compare? This is a really interesting question. So uh, let me say a couple of things. One is, uh, for sure, uh, for somebody like me who uh, experienced what it was like in the 80s, 90s, and so on, it looks harder now to, to innovate. What's interesting is that our uh, fellows and students who are coming up into medtech innovation, who aren't burdened with that uh, experience of what it used to be like, I don't think they're experiencing this as, you know, especially hard. Uh, And in fact, the opportunities are really extraordinary, right? We're moving into an era uh, of of value-based innovation. It's just a different way of of doing it. Mm -hmm. And if you come up learning what's important about uh, cost and, and uh, maximizing value as, as we're trying to do with our, our fellows and students. Um, I, I don't know that it's fair to say that it's, that it's harder. 
And I certainly believe that the opportunities are uh, uh, equally promising. And certainly, I guess would be we'd be different going back to your plumbing analogy. You know, back then you'd you'd find a new way to to uh, open up the pipe, and that would be the the solution, and that would lead to a product that was uh, led to a company, led to an acquisition. Today, you can't just clear the pipe; you have to do it at a, at a lower cost than uh, others have already cleared the pipe. There seems to be more of an economic value to uh, to innovation today than than there used to be. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, and the implication of that, I believe, is that uh, innovators now need to have a decent fundamental understanding of uh, the economics of healthcare, care. And, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, that's a change. Uh, by and large, uh, people with a creative phenotype, you know, in- inventors, uh, I think haven't spent a lot of time learning health economics. It's 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 a, I think it's a different part of your brain, uh, but uh, it's become critical, and it's it's certainly a main focus of ours uh, in the biodesign program is to give people enough of the fundamentals uh, to understand what the parameters of of the value parameters of innovation are. That's a great point, and it kind of goes back into the origin of of the biodesign program. How did that come together? And what, what is unique about medtech innovation versus innovation in other sectors that you really need to have a, a program like this, one that, that specifically speaks to innovating in medtech? Two questions there. One is, how did the program come about? Short story is, uh, I alluded to the fact that I was uh, really lucky to have good mentors uh, myself when, when I was just coming up in the field. And uh, it uh, occurred to me that that was haphazard, right? I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and that uh, maybe a, a more systematic program could be put together that tapped into uh, all of the mentoring resources available uh, for us regionally in Northern California. So, so that was sort of the origin. Stanford was a great place to try to do it, got a lot of support from the leadership at Stanford. Um, and we were uh, we were off and running. Was there resistance to it? I'm curious. Did some of the early innovators kind of scoff at it, saying, "Oh, you can't teach innovation," you know? <laughs> you know, there was resistance from two directions. Uh, one was yes to, to that. Uh, you know, innovation is is the uh, the, the uh, playground of the unusually gifted and. Uh, you know, you can't make a, a practice out of it or a discipline out mm-hmm. of it. Um, the, the other bit of resistance, uh, I have to say, was uh, from uh, internal in, in the university in that uh, th- there were a number of people who were just suspicious of this, you know, flagrantly entrepreneurial uh, program in, a, in an academic setting. And it, it took some time and care uh, to make people more comfortable with that. I, I think nobody is concerned about that now, but uh, that that was a, a bit of a problem for a while. That's fascinating. I, I would have thought that that would have, uh, that apprehensive would have, would have subsided by then. So the, the second part of your question is, uh, how is this different? Uh, that is innovation training in MedTech uh, different than other areas? And I, I think one important thing to understand, there has been an absolute uh, tsunami of enthusiasm about 
design thinking as an approach for uh, innovation a, a legitimate uh, tsunami, right? I mean, that's a really powerful way of thinking where uh, you really look first at the need of the client or the need of the, the, the consumer uh, and, and understand that before trying to develop a technology. It's what made you know, Apple and other companies famous. But the difference with MedTech, and it's a really important difference, is that unlike a consumer product uh, innovation, you don't have a single customer. Uh, you have a very complicated matrix of stakeholders, all of whom have an interest in this new technology. So what I mean by that is uh, you're designing, of course, for the patient or for the physician-patient interaction. That's important. But they're not purchasing the technology, right? The hospital may be purchasing uh, the technology. Right. Or, uh, you know, you have payers, Medicare or the insurance companies. You have regulators like the FDA uh, who are intensely interested in, in that uh, technology. You have uh, political concerns, you know, Obamacare and whatever happens next that's uh, modulating uh, the acceptance rate of new tech. So it's this very... Uh, 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 complicated uh, set of forces, and you need to understand all of those stakeholders to invent uh, technology successfully. That is the core difference in the biodesign process as we teach it. We uh, go really deeply in a disciplined way into understanding those different stakeholders uh, before inventing a technology. That That's the core of it. And let's just take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to go to medtechconference.com to sign up for the MedTech Conference. We're going to have a great, great agenda. we got Mike Mahoney, Joe Almeida, many, many others talking about many, many issues that impact many, many people within MedTech. So go to medtechconference.com. Please register. So we'll see you in Minneapolis. Now back to this conversation with Paul Yock. So when you created the program 16 years ago now, was that the intent because a, a lot of that was important back then but it's, it's clearly a lot more important now did you foresee that all these different parties were, were going to be an essential part of innovation or, or were we just fortunate that you had already created a program to kind of help innovators cope with these new dynamics well it, it already was the case 16 years ago that there were a number of stakeholders right and and you needed to understand them back then it was more you know, we were more worried about FDA as being a rate limiting step or, you know, subtle things like physician societies that might block a new technology because it, it uh, impacted their turf. Uh, and what's happened is that just the relative uh, influence of the stakeholders has shifted in the 16 years. And, and now uh, the, the uh, economic factors and those stakeholders, the purchasers uh, and, and the payers, are much more important than they were 16 years ago. Interesting. And, and to go more into the pricing, um, I think I, I can't remember the stat I saw about the cost of medical technology and healthcare being just a, a small fraction, a percentage in the single digits. Yet medical technology and devices seem to get an, a disproportionate amount of the blame for rising healthcare costs. How do you, do you, do you see it that way as well? That, 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 MedTech isn't as expensive as, as people think it is, 
And how do you, well, I guess that was my question. Do you, do you see it that way? Is there an unfair blaming of MedTech for rising healthcare costs? Well, this is a complicated question. So um, if you ask 100 uh, health economists that, that question, uh, 99 are going to say that, uh, yes, in fact, uh, technology is the biggest single driver of the increase in costs in healthcare. But what they mean by that is not the technology itself. They mean that uh, the uh, interventions that, that come, diagnostic or therapeutic, enabled by the new technologies are driving the expenses up. So, uh, you know, think of uh, CT scanning or MRI scanning, uh, that the technology itself has some expense, but it triggers a lot more healthcare. Um, and if you think about costs as episodes of care, uh, where the technology is a piece, technology per se is, you know, a fraction, as you said, of, of the cost, but it is triggering a bigger uh, expense, a, a, a bigger uh, encounter, uh, that is expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't get uh, more health care for nothing. Uh, and these, these advances, uh, if we had unlimited finances, these advances are uh, almost all good for, for patient care, right? It's just now a question of the cost benefit. Mm hmm so how do you, how does that um, present itself in, in med tech innovation? You addressed this a little bit earlier, but how, how are you teaching the, 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 the value part of the equation and, uh, and having entrepreneurs really look at the cost? Are they shadowing um, you know, hospital technology committee meetings to see what people are paying for? Yeah, do they visit absolutely. So yeah, you're right. We, we have them sit in on the, on the technology assessment meetings. But more importantly, uh, we're giving them a systematic introduction to uh, the way uh, costs accrue in healthcare. So the people who finish our program really have a pretty good understanding of this Byzantine, complicated uh, economic situation in, in healthcare. And a couple of things uh, that are worth emphasizing. One is you now have to think of the whole episode of care when, when you're looking at an area where you think there may be a, a technology improvement. And we do value estimates before we've invented the technology. We say, okay, look, let's look at, you know, um, uh, pick anything. Let's look at hip replacement, right? Okay, so if we invented a new technology uh, that reduced the rate of infections, what is the possible value that could be created in the entire episode of care? And is that worth it? Um, and we, we do a serious back of the envelope calculation of how much you have to move the needle uh, in order for a new approach to be acceptable before we've even tried to invent the new approach. Um, and so we, we are only going after those areas where we think there's a significant value proposition uh, embedded in the need itself, mm -hmm. if, if, if that's clear. No, that, that makes sense. Has that put the kibosh on, some, on pursuing some ideas that would have been just extraordinary? Well, uh, I don't 
think so. Uh, I hope not. I think it's put the kibosh on inventing a slightly better stent or a slightly better knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just is not worth it to, to do that now. And, and um, by the way, uh, I feel good about that. It's, it's, <laughs> from a society standpoint, it's not worth inventing just a slightly better stent. Mm-hmm. Good point. And I want to be sensitive to your time. I, two more sort of uh, uh, demographics I want to ask you about. You're in a ne- unique position being in uh, in, or, in about Silicon Valley. We read breathlessly every day on, on LinkedIn, Apple is doing this. Google has a secret plan to do that, all in healthcare. You know, Apple's got a new secret group apparently working on glucose monitoring. And there's a sort of breathlessness in the reporting like, oh, good, Apple's on the job. They're going to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, does, how does that strike you? I mean, this is something you're like, yeah, no kidding. This is an important issue. And we know it's a huge problem. And we've been looking at it for a very long time. Do you welcome the Apples and the Googles and say, the more the merrier, come on in, help us solve these problems? Or do you sort of, I don't know, see them as, as uh, corporations come lately and, and, <laughs> and, and see them as trying to catch up to what you've already been working on? Well, uh, no, I'm I'm incredibly excited uh, that uh, companies with with talent pools like that are uh, getting into healthcare, and the the, the sector they're moving into needs help. Uh, the sector meaning uh, health, pre-hospital care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, keep, keeping people out of the hospital. We have not invested anywhere near enough. Uh, time, energy, money uh, into that area. That's where they are moving largely. Uh, And uh, it's an incredibly positive uh, development. And it will be fascinating to to see uh, what they do. There is, to be blunt, a a little bit of a culture difference, I think, in the way that that those companies have traditionally innovated Mm -hmm. compared to the, the process that we teach. I mean, we are very religious about spending a lot of time with, with the need and uh, not pretending that we know <laughs> what, the, what <laughs> the right uh, approach is. Um, and, you know, the, the, those uh, tech companies have been very good at anticipating uh, what the world will need and doing it. And it, it's, it's, uh, kind of at right angles to the way that we approach things. And it will be fascinating to, to watch. I, I have some concern based on what I said before about how complex the stakeholder landscape is in, in health that, you know, maybe that, that approach of, of uh, uh, we, we can see the future will, will need to be modified a little bit, but, you know, uh, I'm I'm sitting on the sidelines, uh, rooting hard for for what happens. Well, you're you're a bigger man than I am, apparently. I'm I'm the snark <laughs> I'm, I'm the snarky one. But no, you're right. I mean, Steve Jobs, you know, famously said, basically that to paraphrase that Apple's job is to tell the consumers what they want, not to ask them what they want. So yeah. Um, and and just the last question, talk looking at the patient population. I've I've watched a YouTube video of you uh, in a recent interview where you said that in addition to all the stakeholders you mentioned. MedTech really needs to bring in others who sort of can speak to the patient engagement, like psychologists and anthropologists and others who just understand how people adopt to to new things. I thought that was really an interesting point of view that we really need to understand the patient at that level as well to to sort of 
prosper in medtech. Did I did I capture the point you were you were trying to make? Yeah, and and it has to do with what we were just talking about, which is that that there are enormous opportunities uh, in preserving uh, health or or maintaining health, and and that. Uh, is that the province of the you know psychologists and the anthropologists and the sociologists? Uh, we have an enormous gap uh, in helping people to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, thinking about the statistics on compliance of taking medicines or exercising or whatever it is, um, and, and that is where people with uh, people who study people are uh, critically uh, important. Mm-hmm. And are, are you working to bring those people into the biodesign program? We, we are. In fact, uh, e- even in our fellowship, we're trying to attract uh, people with those backgrounds so that we get a really uh, productive mixing of, of talents on our teams. Excellent. Well, this has been a terrific conversation. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us. Uh, you are entirely welcome. I, I enjoyed it myself. Thanks a bunch. Excellent. And that's a wrap. Paul Yock, thanks for joining us on the MedTech Talk podcast. It was a true pleasure talking about the Stanford Biodesign Program and your role in innovation. MedTech Talk podcast listeners, great having you here as well. If you could do us a few favors, give us a positive ranking on iTunes so more folks will find the podcast. Tell your MedTech-minded friends about the podcast. The more ears listening, the better. And finally, uh, do shoot me an email. My email is tom at healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Let me know who I might want to talk to for the podcast, what I should talk about, or just say hello. Finally, please do check out the agenda for the MedTech Conference. Go to medtechconference.com. Get a terrific program. Take a look and uh, do register so we will see you in Minneapolis.